0: See lisa.com for more details.
1: Hey, warm up on low. Welcome to Love You Las Vegas. We're going with myself, Greg Epps Peterson. Now a part of the Beasts and Family Podcast. We have a terrific podcast for you guys. Joining me in segment number two. You've got Jim Rudabord. He does tremendous work over at the three-man. We've taken a look at this great game that we all know and love. We're going to be diving in on what he makes out of some of these not-so-secret secret scrimmages and whether or not we should be putting a lot of stock into them, no stock whatsoever, or just taking some bits and pieces and some tidbits from them. We're going to be diving in there how we should be taking a look at some of these injuries that have popped up here in the offseason, which ones should we really be keying in on, which ones might be lingering, and which ones might be a little bit blown out of proportion as well. Here in segment number one, we have to recap what we all saw in college basketball over the last 48 hours since I did my final conference preview on the podcast yesterday with the Fact 12 We are through all 32 of them. Now here for the final two and a half weeks of the offseason. it's all about getting you guys set for night number one. I am very excited about that, and we actually did get a question into the old Twitter mailbag slash X mailbag. You're able to fire those in at GNR41 if you have them. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter, so please do send those into the timeline. And then the other way to be able to get in touch with the show is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And I know I've had a few of you guys ask me if there's any futures I like coming into the season, how I play the futures market. And it's very simple for me. I do not dive in on the futures market with regards to college basketball because I am a big believer in this with regards to my college basketball handicapping, my football handicapping, my baseball handicapping, matchups make fights and especially in college basketball, it's just so hard to know what you're getting because I do feel like the NCAA tournament, because it is a one and done tournament, it's very much based on the draw that you get in the NCAA tournament. Also, with regards to futures, let's call it what it is. You tie up your money for so long, you have no idea how 18 to 22-year-olds now with COVID, you've got more 23, 24-year-olds, or in the case of DeAndre Williams, old enough to be able to get the team's rental car, but so young men, I think is the best way of putting it how they're able to go through a season, how they're able to cope with everything that comes along with a long season. So there's lots of unknowns there, which is why I very much am a game-to-game better, And just hard for me to find a lot of value with regards to the futures market. And if there really is some futures that you do want to be taking a look at, oftentimes if you just do a money line rollover once you get into the NCAA tournament, that's where you bet the money line of the team that you would be placing a future on. You place that one unit on the money line, just roll it over for the entirety of the NCAA tournament. You might not get the exact payout that you get here night number one, but you don't have to tie up your money for four plus months. You still get a relatively solid payout. Sometimes you get really, really good payouts as well, so that's a big reason why I just don't have any features for you guys, and you'll notice with regards to some of my guests, like Eli Hershkovich from the Lions joins me all throughout the season. We get on a bunch of gentlemen that do a tremendous job with regards to analytics. We had Evan Miyakawa on last week. We also had someone like Eric Haslam. These guys do a tremendous job of forecasting as well, so I wanted to get them on, so I try to give those that are looking for futures as much of a way to be able to extract information from this podcast as possible. I just don't want to be selling you guys a bag of goods, being like, oh yeah, I advise this future, but in reality, I really don't advise any of them, so I've got a clean futures portfolio, and with regards to Fairfield, they right now have a clean slate with regards to their coach, as Jay Young stepped down on Monday. Chris Casey is going to be taking over the program on an interim basis and my goodness this is just a mess for a Fairfield team that it's just really been an underachieving program over the last few seasons. I thought that this was going to be a program that was going to be ascending the last few years and under Jay Young. This team was one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. They always played solid defense, but for the life of them, they could never put the ball in the basket. You felt like this was a hot seat year for them. I personally don't know what happened behind the scenes. I'm going to probably read up on this more in the next 24 to 48 hours, but this is a bunch that they did have to replace their top scorer and rebounder in Supreme Cook in the offseason. They brought in Alexis Yadna, which I thought that that was going to be providing some massive Upside, Bryson Goudin is someone that began his career in the Big East, so have a few upside players, but all in all, it just never really came together under Jay Young, and on top of that, if you take a look a little bit further at the history of the Fairfield Sags, it just really is a case where when Sidney Johnson came in from Princeton, you thought that this was going to be a program that really took off. He was a big, giant flopper Rooney. Jay Young, in four years at the program, he's never been able to get the team above 500 as well. Just been a lot of underachievement since Ed Cooley, yes, that Ed Cooley, left for the Providence job after the 2010-2011 campaign, I think that it's going to be another rough year out there for Fairfield, so you really do feel for them, and then over the last 48 hours as well, we saw Jose Perez and his long and winding road take him to Arizona State. We did my projector finish for the Pac-12, and that was not knowing that Jose Perez was going to be going to Arizona State, but I just don't know if he's necessarily going to be able to give Arizona State a whole heck of a lot. We are going to need to see if he's going to be able to get out there on the floor night number one, if he's going to be able to at the end of the first semester, what have you. So this is very, very interesting to say the least. And I do think that this is going to be one to watch out for because Jose Perez, he put up massive numbers a few seasons ago while he was at Manhattan. But the first time he tried to go up to the power conference level, he was playing for Marquette a few seasons ago, and that was a big giant flop, as when he was over at Marquette, he didn't see the floor very much, he averaged three points per contest, has never really been a great three-point shooter, and the biggest thing I identified with Arizona State is that they could use some more three-point shooting, yeah, it's nice that was it Perez is able to give you nine points, four and a half assists per contest, but I feel like Arizona State has really done a good job of cornering the market in terms of Guards with some athleticism that really can't shoot. This is another one of those guards with some athleticism. He's able to suffer the sad sheet in every form, except for being a pop threes. I don't know he's too much of a guy that's going to be able to elevate Frankie Collins along with Adam Miller. I just don't necessarily see how he fits in with this team. You've already got Bryson Long as well. Do I think he's a little bit of an upgrade to Bryson Long? Yeah. Do I think he's that much of an upgrade? No. So... I do think that for Arizona State, this really doesn't change my outlook on them and once again, with Jose Perez, is he going to be able to be able to take the floor in like early December? Is it going to be second semester? That's something that we are waiting to see, but we never have to wait for great content and great insights from this gentleman. As joining me next, we've got aboard one of our good friends from the three-man weave in Jim Root. We are going to be taking a look at these not-so-secret, secret secret scrimmage results. We're going to be taking a look at how to gauge some of these injuries and so much more right here
4: Huh.
5: <sighs> sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
0: What's up? I'm John Wall. And
5: I'm CJ Toledana, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari.
0: We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky, they're saying cows are bust, you can't coach, this is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall
5: and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It wasn't even supposed to be my That's my <laughs>
5: Sports betting innovative analytics has taken the guesswork and emotion out of sports betting to bring you an innovative and trustworthy resource to enhance your journey to becoming a winning player. With industry-leading money-back guarantee options backed by their sophisticated modeling, they want to introduce you to a system that's not widely seen or available to help you beat the bookmaker. Specializing in NBA, college basketball, and WNBA, your first week is always free. Get started at sbia1.com today.
1: Back here, lovely Las Vegas for ghost kiss suits with myself, Greg Peters Peterson. Now part of the Veasan Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man, Jim Root. He does absolutely tremendous work over at the Three Man Weave. Which air follow them on the old Twitter slash X at the number three MW underscore CBB. Jim does such good work taking a look at the game of college basketball. For those of you guys that have read the almanac, he did a great job with his conference previews over there. Oh, has been joining me on this podcast for so many years. Always lends amazing insights and is a man that you're able to follow on Twitter slash X at Second Chance Points. That is 2ND before chance and points all together. And, Jim, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, great to be here, Greg. We've got the new Ken Palm reveal, which means I get to look at the the fan
3: match page, which means the games are getting closer and closer. Started working a little bit on the opening night lines to try to get a head start on that since there's over 100 blind games. So yeah, it's
1: starting to feel real at this point, which I love. It certainly is starting to feel real, and certainly it's not quite real, but some teams have been taking the court. We've been seeing results from these secret scrimmages, which... I still think that's one of the world's dumbest names ever because, I mean, a lot of media members are able to get into these scrimmages. The results always find a way to be able to leak out. Is it really a secret when people know the results of these scrimmages? That's one of my pet peeves. It drives me as crazy as week zero in college football because... Week zero in college football, the results still matter. So I don't know why they're calling it week zero. This isn't whose line is it anyway. The points actually do matter. But yeah, it's a tangent for another show and another day. But what do you take out of so many scrimmage results? Because you see a lot of people like buzzing about Jada Depp scoring 46 points in a Georgetown scrimmage, what have you. And I don't think it should be taken as a nothing burger. But at the same time, these people being like, oh, Georgetown basketball, they're back and are making the NCAA tournament. I think they're sticking way too much into this as well.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, your point, the secret scrimmages, I don't know why it's called that either. They should really just open them up. And especially, you know, with the advent of the charity scrimmages, like, why not just let these be public? I think people would enjoy them. You can turn them into a good cause if you really want to. So I think that should be the change that needs to be made. As for how I look at them, it's a little like when we talked about the foreign tours maybe two months back where I'm not looking at results, I'm not looking at who won, but I am keeping an eye on little things like, is a team playing faster or slower, or are they playing smaller, like the way Kentucky played in their trip to Canada? Playing Trey Mitchell at center, shooting more threes. Okay, that's a, that's a little mental note that maybe that could be a team that shifts towards overs. Or a rotation bit where you a know, guy's playing over somebody that we expected to get big minutes, and you know, a bench guy's actually seizing a starting role or something. That's the kind of stuff that catches my eye more so than the actual results, because once the season starts, even there are misleading results. And that's when you're able to look at the box score and understand three-point shooting splits or something. We don't know those for a lot of these. You just get the final score, a couple of stat tidbits. I don't know who made threes, who didn't. I just want to look for the little rotation or style or lineup bits that I think can be helpful towards projecting whether a team's going to be you know, a bet on or a fade or an over or an under. That's where I think the usefulness is in these scrimmages and the little bit of information that leaks out from them.
1: Yep, I do agree with you. I do think that taking a look at some of these individuals as to the amount of minutes that they are slash are not getting, some of the stylistic things, those are very big. Trying to take a look and being like, oh no, Cal lost by 15 points to Boise State or something like that, that doesn't mean that Cal is going to be a three-win team once again this year. So I am right there with you, and I do think that it is going to be very interesting to see what well, we do get from the coming days from some of those results as well is joining me on the show. We do have Jim Root. He does amazing work over at the Three Man Weave. And Jim, what else I think is very interesting about this time of year is that now we're starting to get more and more injury information that has come out, and it's always interesting with regards to some of these timetables because we see it every single year where you have a guy that's like questionable to be back opening night, and somehow, some way, he's not back until like late January. So. Those timetables, they very much are subject to a whole heck of a lot of change. But that said, when you take a look at some of these injuries, and especially the big man injury, how cautious do you want to be with some of those teams? Because I look at a team like UConn, and honestly, I'd be a little bit more sock up on them if they would just completely sit Donovan Kling in those first few games against the likes of Northern Arizona and Stone Hill rather than. Roll the dice and have him out there for those first couple games against cupcakes.
3: That's the tough part. Like, do do I try to put on my doctor hat here and say, okay, it's just a strain, it's not a break, like some of the, the Kentucky big men that are dealing with it over the off season? I think that's what Tolu Smith has from Mississippi State as well. And so, like, you know, realistically, there's a chance that he could be playing a week from now and be fine. And actually holding him out till the opener is the conservative move. It's hard to know that without you know having a doctor evaluate his actual x-rays, MRIs, whatever it is that they've got. It's kind of the, the push and the pull with this. And I think there is going to be some element of on opening night. Now, I know your style is more than every game, but every total. I think some of those with question marks like Klingon and his health are going to be ones where I'm very hesitant on heading into the year just because there's A lot of information we don't know. We don't know how much he's going to play. And and maybe there'll be more clarity as we get closer. But some of these guys, you just want to have a better feel for who's going to be out there. And this even goes back to the, the scrimmages. Like if there's a team that hasn't had any reports out on lineup and rotation and stuff, if there's questions to it, then I'll usually maybe try to be hesitant For a game or two to just get a feel for what the coach is planning to do, there's only certain teams I'm looking to pounce on as a bet on or fade or an under right away where I actually feel like I have a better sense than than maybe the market does right off the bat.
1: And I do think that these are always some of the most difficult situations to take a look at because with some injuries, a guy will be just fine, it'll be a little bit overblown, and sometimes the team is trying to sell you a little bit of a bag of goods as well, being like, ah – he should be questionable for opening night when in reality that guy might not be back until like February and it just happens every single year so a lot of unknowns there and I do think that with regards to one of those injuries that you pointed out Tolu Smith of Mississippi State it really is a big deal because with Mississippi State I know that there have been a few of you guys over at the three-man weave that have been a little bit of stock up on them and truthfully I very much have been a believer Mississippi State coming into the year and at the very least, we don't have to worry about evaluating Tolu Smith opening night because he is out of the fold. And right now, from the sounds of it, he might not be back until conference play. And how do you evaluate Mississippi State just assuming that Tolu Smith is going to be out of the fold for much of, if not the entirety of non-conference play? Because That guy was the heart and soul of that defense last year. And for Mississippi State, they upgraded the three-point shooting. But without their real lone double-figure score from last year, their top rebounder, I think that they're going to be fighting an uphill battle to start the year.
3: Do they reinvent themselves a little bit? Is that going to be the goal to try to put more speed and quickness and shooting on the court, given the the additions of Andrew Taylor from Marshall and and Trey Fort from the JUCO rankings? So actually, I, I like quite a bit. Or do they just kind of lean further into the the identity that they've established and play a lot more Jimmy Bell and, and be just as towering and thundering in the paint, but with kind of a, a slightly lesser player? I think in the long run, this could be good for them if they're able to establish different dimensions, different lineups, You know, figure out how to play small at times when they get into the SEC. And you've got to be a little bit more adaptable. That could be really beneficial. I think that is probably crucial for them to maybe experiment a little bit. And that does make me a little lower on them early on just because I do think they're going to have to do that. It's not like they lost Tolu Smith to graduation where they're going to practice as though he's gone and, and completely change their style. Like He's still there, so they're not going to completely reinvent the wheel given that they're going to have to re-implement him come whenever it is, you know, late December, early January. I think it could be a bit of an experimentation period. Now, the one caveat to this is Chris Jans is terrific. Like just a phenomenal coach has been good everywhere he's been so far. Even going back to the one year he had at Bowling Green, he really elevated that program before he was unceremoniously let go due to some off the court stuff. But I have no doubt that he's going to keep them very competitive. And it's just kind of a matter of how does it become, like I said, a little faster, more offensive tilting and I like think even the guys that bricked everything last year will probably make a little bit higher rate this year from beyond the arc. That does make me kind of lean towards them as an over team, but it is maybe
1: a little bit wait and see just to get a
3: feel for what Christians is going to do there on the sideline.
1: Yep, and I do think that that is going to be one of the more interesting teams to take a look at to start the year because with Mississippi State, we know that this was a bunch that did such a good job on defense, and I think that Andrew Taylor is going to be able to elevate them with regards to their outside shooting, but... How much are they going to be able to elevate that is a big question mark. As joining me on the show, we do have Jim Rude who does great work over at the three-man weave. And Jim, we've got to ask you about some of these polls that are coming up because we did see Ken Palm unleash his preseason rankings about 48 or so hours ago. We saw the AP poll come out. You're seeing a whole bunch of way too early top 25s. You're seeing a whole bunch of people coming out with their projector or finish and The biggest question I have for you is how do you gauge all these polls, all these rankings, all these analytics sites coming out with their projections to come into the year? Because I do think that for me personally, I try as best as I can to not take a look at them. Not because I don't think that Ken Pomeroy does terrific work. Now I do think that some of the schlubs voting in the AP top 25 poll, they haven't seen enough college basketball. I really don't want their opinion. So I will throw a little bit of shade there, but I do think that a lot of these analytic guys that are throwing out their their rankings right now, they do sell work. But I just don't want to fall into groupthink personally. I don't know if there are certain things that you'd like to take away from like Kempa, Beva Miyakawa, what have you, unleashing their preseason rankings, what have you. But I do the best that I can to try to stay grounded and just try to hold true to what I'm taking a look at towards the beginning part of the season. That's what I want. I want to
3: kind of dig my feet in and, and make sure I'm, I'm teams that I think are maybe mispriced in the Kenpoms, Bartorvics, Evan Mios. But the thing I want to do is be able to justify why. I do take a look at some of the consensus rankings between those. Like I build out a spreadsheet that shows each of those sites ratings and then I look at my own. They're all done manually. And if I'm a lot higher on a team, I have to tell myself why. I have to be able to justify, there's a reason I'm higher than the market. It's because I I think they're undervaluing X transfer or... They were really injured last year, so their baseline is unfairly low. And then vice versa. If I'm lower on a team, it's like, oh, maybe the computers are overestimating the way this guy's going to translate in a new system. Just something like that. You know, I make myself, if I don't necessarily type it out for every single team, just a lot of the outliers. I make myself actually explicitly write down in a spreadsheet why I'm higher or lower, because I think that helps me conceptualize it. And as I go into the season and, and make a line on that team, I'm probably going to be betting on a team that I'm higher on than Ken Palm and Bart, and I want to have a good reason why. So that, I think, is an exercise that i found very beneficial. I don't want to immediately adhere to the way the computer rankings come out, and I definitely don't even look at the AP poll. But I just want to, at least, like I said, have a justification, have a reasoning for why I might bet on or fade a team heading into the year.
1: And I think that that's a very good way to be able to go about it as well, because it's one thing to be higher or lower on a team, but the bigger thing with it is saying why you're higher slash lower on them not just being like oh it's because I said so and everything like that so (laughs) I think that that's a really good way of being able to go about it and that does lead into a little bit of a question as well is there a team that you found in the last few weeks because I know you guys were able to put out the almanac I would say about a month or so ago give or take a little bit of time but in that time span, has there been a team or two that you've been maybe breeding up on a little bit more, that you've been researching a little bit more, that you are a little bit more stock up, sock down on now that the season is getting ready to get going?
3: One team that I think has grown on me is BYU. kind of like the pieces that they've got together there. I like think they had a lot of shooting, especially with Trevin Nell back from injury. And they kind of figured it out late last year at the point guard spot. I like think that was kind of an issue for them all year. But then Dallin Hall, the freshman, sort of solidified it. And of course, he was a freshman, so he had his ups and downs. But I think that experience is going to benefit him this year going into the season and and being a little bit more of a veteran presence there on the perimeter. So BYU, definitely a team that I'm warming on. Penn State's another, I think I'm pretty high and just kind of like the collection of transfers. I think it could be a situation like Iowa State or Kansas State in the past where it's a new coach. We see a bunch of, you know, disparate parts from random teams and we don't think it can work. I just think Mike Rhodes is a really good coach. He never had bad teams at VCU and he's got Ace Baldwin as point guard, the A-10 player of the year there to, to, to be the leader. So Penn State, definitely a team I have warmed on. Looking through, trying to figure out a team that I'm a little lower on, Seton Hall in the Big East. Don't really see how the offense works with a lot of the same guys back from last year as a bad offense. And defensively, they're so reliant on Casey and Defoe as the shop locker, and even like Trey Jackson, some of the size they had inside there. And Shaheen Holloway has not had a team without Casey and Depo. Five straight years with that guy anchoring his defense. I think maybe it's not going to be quite the same steel trap inside and hard to, to penetrate. Seton Hall could be drifting down those Big East standings a little bit the more I look at it.
1: Yeah, and with how many top teams you've got in the Big East as well, you've got the likes of Creighton, Marquette, UConn, Villanova, that – you're going to be having to go up again. I like the fact that Providence was able to maintain some of their big pieces with Bryce Hopkins coming back despite the coaching change as well. I do agree with you. I do think that might be a little bit of an uphill battle for Shaheem Holloway and company and really good angle as well with Casey Defu being with Shaheem Holloway for 100 million billion years as well, something that I knew was going to be a loss. But now you put it that way, I think that maybe I should be taking a look at that a little bit more as well and Jim, you do absolutely amazing work. Taking a look at this game that we all know and love of college basketball. We're going to be back at it in about two and a half weeks. And I know you're working hard these next two and a half weeks to get set for it all. So let the good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Keep buying the Almanac. If you haven't yet, please do
3: so. CBBAlmanac.com. That is our big, there's something like 800,000 words or maybe it's 600,000 words, but Thirteen hundred at least on every single team, all three hundred sixty-two. A ton of national content. I wrote an article about some outliers and in, in terms of against the spread, some splits teams, so teams that are better at home versus away, better in conference versus non-conference. I think there's actually some real value there in teams that are better as as a favorite or as an underdog. So I think that's a really good piece worth looking at for betters. And it's only twenty dollars. There's a lot. value to be found in that and then of course the three man we podcast we're we're getting through conference previews almost everything we've got big 10 coming this week and then big 12 next week and then of course we'll have an awards and, and opening night preview coming right before the season starts so check out that as well i think that's about it we'll see what else we have coming in the season still a little bit of behind the scenes stuff to figure out but for now in the preseason, I think those are the best spots to look.
1: Absolutely. And Jim is hard at work getting set for what is going to be an amazing season. Every single time he joins this podcast, he lends impeccable insights. So it is always a pleasure to have him aboard. A big thanks to Jim for joining me right here on Costco Coast Soups, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Costco Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe. Wherever you are your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, or what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we go for those in first. One is my Twitter slash X timeline at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind letters Yum, the they mean does not matter, so as per usual. Please just send these into the timeline. Other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated, and then from there, here we'll fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five star review and we have gotten done all of our conference previews. All 32 conferences have a specialized conference preview edition of Coast to Coast Hoops. feel very proud about that. We are about two and a half weeks away from the start of the college basketball season. We're just highlighting as many angles as humanly possible. I do want you guys to send in those questions if you have them so that way I can get you guys set for what I think is going to be the most tremendous year of college basketball and college basketball betting ever. The whole goal of this show is to be able to make you guys money, so please do fire in those questions. I am so amped up for the start of the season. Always appreciate you guys listening, and I'll be back with you guys every single day, regular season and off season. and I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can be all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you and you're able to learn more over at BetterHelp.com. That That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com.
0: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.